Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Rare Air Podcast. I'm here with Chandler, and on today's episode, we have Scotty, old man, <laughs> Grandpa Schwartz here, whatever one he wants to identify with. You know here. what? You got, and listen to these. What do you no, like? Which one do you, you prefer, got, Scotty? Let's change that to Daddy. How about we change Daddy, that okay. Daddy oh. Schwartz? You want to shave some years off of that <laughs> let's nickname, Let's shave dude. some years off of that. <laughs> let's, 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 if this is going to be a long-term thing, let's change that to Daddy. <laughs> I like Daddy Schwartz, dude. Let's I go. agree upon Let's five go. years. <laughs> I like that. We got to talk about how old you are at some point in this podcast. So we'll get into that. Okay. But first, to continue this intro, everybody needs to listen to these video game numbers we're about to go over right now. 96 deals in 48 working days this year. 20-plus days of 3-plus deals. Sorry, just 20 days of 3-plus deals. 34 of the 38 deals that he sold in May, which we just finished, are active and going to install. Uh, insane month. He actually broke the Empower record for the most deals in a month, just uh, in the month of May, just barely. Estimated $133,000 in 17 working days of May. 76 self-gens last year, most coming in a, in a really tough market. Chicago, man, that was a crazy market last year. So that's something to really hang his hat on. Uh, but he ended, I said 38. He actually ended the month with 39 closes in May. So pretty crazy resume there. This podcast has been way overdue. So Scotty, Daddy Schwarz, welcome to the Rare Air Podcast. Thank you, guys. Excited to be here. All right. So let's let's start off with this. The elephant in the room. Why does everybody call you Grandpa. <laughs> or old man Schwartz. I mean, the age gap difference. What are we talking? Like four or five years from our average rep? Like, no. what is the age gap? You here? know what? It, I don't even know where this started. It was Carson, man. This is all on Carson. I'm not that old. And <laughs> you're probably what? Like three years older than Carson? Yes, that's the funny thing. Um, I'm, th <laughs> I'm 31. So... You know, I'm not that old. I just think it, it was kind of a funny thing because I came in. I did my first blitz um, in November of 2021. I did a blitz and um, everyone was expecting me to be like this, like out of shape old guy. Like Enzo had kind of been like, I don't know who this, what this guy is going to look like. Um, and then I showed up and I this was 31 year this old, 31 year old. Cause I'm dealing with a bunch of like 21 year olds, you know? And so, yeah. um, it just kind of turned into a joke from there. Like Lay Layla said, you are not what I was expecting, you know, like being, being 31. So it just kind of turned into a joke from there. And Carson has just never, never let it, you know, never let it go. So what's yeah. crazy. What's crazy is Scott, you know, doesn't really look, Obviously, like a grandpa, but has the wisdom of a much older yeah. gentleman. And maybe, maybe that's part of the name too, right? Is a lot of it is probably a compliment. Well, what's crazy is when I was in high school, I went on a on like a high school trip, touring the country, 
Yeah. And there's this old guy on our trip who was our chaperone. <laughs> And it was Scott. That was me, baby. <laughs> no so way. Scott was literally a chaperone. Scott was there. Yeah, yeah he was. A, he was one of the chaperones on the really? trip. Yeah. And I was just a little high schooler, and shot. And Scott's there, just dropping wisdom bombs left wow. and right, teaching us. And so here we are, what ten, eleven, like maybe twelve years. I don't. I don't know. Ten years later. Yeah, man. And working at Empower, and you're breaking and records. We both. That's pretty. And we incredible. both went to Bolivia, bro. We did. Yeah, we are. Uh, Hermanos, Hermanos. Livianos. That's, that's right, man. That's right. Good stuff. Scott, I think when most people hear me say those numbers just barely, they're probably like, like, who is this guy? Has he done sales before? What's your background with sales? Like, so I think let's start there. No, first sales job. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. No, I've, I, I've just been an entrepreneur since college. So I've uh, dabbled into different different businesses. I started like a storage company with with one of my brothers, um, different startups with some family, uh, running some thrift stores in Utah, um, some online shops with my wife. We've done um, like a pillow one and then we sold that. And then uh, we're still running a baby product um, Shopify store right now. And so... I've just been an entrepreneur, just getting by, you know, um, since college, trying to trying to make something work and and hit something big, you know. Um, yeah. And the Saturday baby is the one that has has benefited us the most. We got into a fulfillment uh, company um, towards the end of 2021, and so that freed up a bunch of time because we were storing all the inventory at our at our townhome and self-fulfilling everything. And so once we got into a fulfillment center, um, that's kind of what freed up some time for me to, to do this. Um, I, I kind of had always wanted, I have had friends in this space. Um, so I've always wanted to give it a shot and give it a go. So, um, yeah, I just, let's dive into that a little bit because I think this is really helpful for a lot of reasons, but first of all, what, just so everybody has some context around this, what do you think you guys will hit in revenue with that store this year in 2023? Um, revenue, um, a little over 300 grand in revenue. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah. And our, our profit on that is, is about 46% if you average out all of our pro all of our products. And so, so enough to live enough off of, of. Enough to live off of, yep. And so then that gets me to this question, which is how did you look at Empower? What was this vehicle to you and your family? Because you already had this business that could mm -hmm. support your family's needs. So how did you look at this opportunity? Uh, to get ahead. Um, straight up, it was just to get ahead. I wanted to, I wanted to do something. Nichelle and I were um, at a spot where one, like you guys know how 1099s are and stuff with uh, qualifying for homes. And um, the Saturday baby, we, we kind of had a huge jump one year and we weren't doing as well the years before. We kind of hit like a tipping point, you know, where all of a sudden we took off once we released a certain product. And so we didn't have the income history with the Saturday baby um, to qualify to qualify for a home yet, you know. 
And so we wanted to be in a spot where once we could qualify for a home on the Saturday, baby, that we could get into a house that we could afford comfortably. Um, and so I wanted to get ahead and um, started doing solar to supplement that. Uh, just kind of knowing that, you know, however many years we put into this, whatever I can get out of it, it will it will only put us ahead, you know, just grinding in your 30s to to more enjoy your 40s, you know, <laughs> so. Totally. I think what's what's incredible is, you know, he already had something good going. And this wasn't just like, oh, like, I'll just go do, you know, some solar on the side here locally, right? Like, tell us about what it takes for you to get out to where you're at every week and the sacrifice you're making on a weekly basis to make this opportunity at Empower worthwhile. Yeah. No, it's hard, guys. It's really, really hard. Um, my schedule is is not for the faint of heart, for sure. And Brandon kind of knows 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 that a little bit because you were doing this your first year. But it's it's really tiring. Like my my flights are to maximize my time with my family and out here in market. I made an adjustment this year to where I'm basically just flying like late nights um, so that my full days are either in market or at home. And so I, I fly out to market every Tuesday night at nine and I land at 1 a.m. And then I, I drive to my hotel. I get to bed around 2 a.m. here on Tuesday night. And so I have all day Wednesday now, all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday to sell. sell. And then I jump on a 6 a.m. flight on Sunday morning. So I get up at four on Sunday and um, I land in in Utah at eight a.m. to 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 make my sacrament meeting by nine. So um, that's a it's a grind and it's it's tiring, um, but it's it's worth it. And, and the way we look at it is, it's eight months of the year, and then for four months, you know, I've got I've got just a lot of time to enjoy with my family and. Um, you know, there's two different ways you could look at it. Like, holy cow, that's crazy. Like, why are you doing that? But at the end of the day, with how much money you can make and um, only only work for eight months of the year, essentially, right? And then have four months of, of uninterrupted un- time with my kids and, and my wife and stuff. That's I look at that like that's a pretty good gig. So how many kids do you have, Scott? I've got three three, five-year-old, a three-year-old and a seven-month-old. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about you is just the idea of the schedule, right? Because traditionally it's somebody in their young twenties and they're going out to a market and then they're like, man, when I get married or when I start having kids, I need to transition more into like a nine to five type of job. And so what I think is so cool about you is you open up this opportunity for people at different ages, mm-hmm. different lifestyles, different family situations. Like you just purchased a beautiful home here in Utah. And so you have a permanent residence here, but you're able to still travel and do this four day work schedule, which isn't sustainable for forever. No. But like you said, a couple of years of stack cash and, and really get head in. Uh, like you said, I can relate to that, right? Cause in 2018, that's what I did. I was one week on in Utah and, and one week off, then in 2019, I did a similar schedule where I'd fly out, you know, Monday morning and then Saturday or Sunday morning catch. I was up same thing, 4 a.m. from the high desert, drive down, uh, catch a 6 a.m. flight back to Utah, land <laughs> around 730. 
and straight and I'd make my uh my church service every Sunday so and then just spend the weekend with the family but <laughs> same exact uh, I get thing, it man. and it was I get that hotel life yep, you know yeah and it was it was one of the hardest years of my life but there's there's some pros and cons and it was one of the best routines that I've ever had in my life as well because when I was out in market it was just work yep. and you got up and I just had so many sacred mornings of just studying either scripture or self-development books. And, and, uh, it was, it was a hard, beautiful time of my life is how I would describe it. For sure. But I, I, I get it, man. And so it's, but it's really incredible what you're able to accomplish in a four day work week. It just, I think it gives everybody an idea of like, Hey, if you live in market and you work five or six days a week, what are you capable of? If you really take it and approach it with the same intensity that somebody like Scott approaches it with a four day work week. Um, what could you accomplish? So I'm curious now that, now that you've, you have, you know, purchased a home that you wanted to, to get with your family. What, what are you using empower for now? What's the next, I guess, financial or entrepreneurial, uh, goal that you got that you and your family have together. What are using the income using from empower? What's, what's, what's that being used for? Or what is that being saved for in the future at this point? <laughs> yeah, it was it was for the home, you know, first. So we got we got the home taken care of and now we're now we're just paying the mortgage. Um but no, is and now now that now that that's behind us, um just a month ago, um as far as investments go, um I'm wanting to get into some higher scale Airbnbs with with some different people to have like vacation properties that um, we could have as like a, something that you could go to once a year, you know, for a, for a vacation spot, um, and then Airbnb the rest of the year. Um, we do reinvest a lot of money into the Saturday baby to keep it growing. Um, so with ads and, and stuff like that, we're able to use some money to, to scale that a little bit more. Um, and then I was actually just talking to Enzo the other day about the sovereign fund. I want to start grab it, get, you know, seeing those projects come through and stuff to start investing, picking and choosing some different things with that. Um, and then just like Roth IRAs, investing in index funds, S and P 500, stuff like that. That's kind of where, um, my goals are for this year to put, to, to put some money. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. One of the things, one of the benefits I should say of a, a schedule like that you're doing is you have the airplane time to study. Yeah. And I know you do a lot of studying on the on the plane and flights. So I think one of the questions that we need to extract some info out of you is what what have you studied? Mm-hmm. Have you became such a successful salesman in a, such a short period of time with you've never done sales before? And to hit these video game numbers, it's like you got to be studying something. Mm-hmm. So what have you been studying and what's helped expedite that process for yeah. you? Yeah, just all the guys in the sales space, you know, the the um, Jeremy Miners, the Taylor McCarthy's, the, you know, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, just different stuff. I take different bits and pieces that I feel like apply well to solar because not all sales are, are the same, you know, um, there's some sales guys I feel like who, who really benefit from like the pushy, like quick sale, like there's tactics to get quick sales and I don't listen to really any of them because I feel like our product is just so different. You can't do that or else you're going to get a bunch of cancels. And so, 
Um, sure. I try and just pick and choose and try and find the relevant sales content out there that I feel like actually would help for what, what we do. Um, and I just listen to a ton of podcasts. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I use an app called Headway to kind of help me. Um, and I know everyone is, has a different style with this, with reading books, but something that helps me is, is kind of going, going into deep overviews of books to get through like the main material of a book quicker. And so I use Headway a lot to kind of, to kind of go through books. Um, but yeah, mainly between podcasts and uh, YouTube, that's that's kind of I just I can get most of the content I need to to learn different stuff about about how to up my sales game. When are you doing that? Are you doing that on the flights? Are you doing that in the mornings? Um, whenever I feel like I need it, uh, every flight for sure. Um, I don't I, I don't I'm not the type to like watch movies on on the plane. Um, I like to use that time to to either read, read a book through headway or, um, or download a podcast beforehand so that I can listen to it on the plane. Um, and then, and then try and catch up on some sleep too, a little bit, but, (laughs) um, yeah. And then as I'm driving to appointments, um, if I feel like there's something that I need to improve on in my clothes from like a couple closes previous, if I notice some common theme that of a reason, maybe why I didn't get a close, um, I will listen to stuff on my way to, to appointments. And so that's kind of my time that I can, that I can do that. If, if Chandler and I came to one of your closes and we watched you, what do you think that we would find that would be different from an average level performer? Um, I spend most of my energy at the beginning. So, um, I put a lot of time into rapport, building rapport with people. Um, I think I'm a really good person, like people person. And so I can kind of connect with any different behavior, st- behavioral style, whether it's a driver, an analytical, a, an expressive or an amiable type personality type. I just think I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty versatile with like the different types of people I can connect with. And so I think people like and know and trust me pretty good. Um, my whole philosophy, honestly, with solar is our product is so good and so common sense uh, for most people that I just think most of the time we get in our own way, right? By not doing certain things right, like we skip steps in the close process. Your job is literally just to get them to know, like, and trust you. You know, if you do that and you yeah. don't botch that, let the product sell itself. You know, like don't, don't, don't be so pushy and don't get in your own way so much. Um, cause the product does sell itself. Like most of the time I'm sitting there with people and they're like, geez, I would be stupid to say no to this. You know, like this makes all the sense in the world. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Well, let's get you qualified, you know? <laughs> so, um, I, I'm very methodical as well. Like I, I have a very strict like preframe and probing I have a list of like 20 to 25 probing questions. Not that I, not for every single person, but like kind of like a rotisserie that depending on the person, I'll ask different ones of those 20 to 25 probing questions. Um, just to, just to build pain and to pull out emotion and to help them see that I'm an expert in my field, you know? So 
I think you would just see that I'm a good people person. I'm not a robot. Um, and I'm good at kind of tailoring a clothes to, to people's needs. And I'm good at getting them to see a problem that they didn't realize they had before. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much that you just covered that I think we need to really just identify for anybody listening right now that you should write down if you're in a closing role or setting. The first is it, I, it's so funny to me that when you talk with successful people, just the common threads that you see, right? So the first one that is really obvious to me is you don't watch movies on flights. Instead of being a consumer and just entertainment all the time, you're spending that same time that an average person would and you're investing in yourself. And there's so much progress that you can experience from driving in your car to riding a plane to different to your, how you spend your mornings to just investing in yourself. All the answers are out there on YouTube and it's all free, yeah. right? You could get all your sales skills. It's all free out there if you just spend the time to invest in yourself. That's the first thing. The second thing is, and I've, I've done trainings on this as well, and so I just want to echo what you said. It is way more beneficial to spend your energy at the first part of the sales appointment than the latter. And it's the biggest mistake that I see when I do ride-alongs with people is it's so casual at the beginning, and then at the end, they're like twisting yes. arms and doing everything to close the deal, and it's so awkward, man. Yeah. And they're just going to cancel. And so it's like reverse that. Spend all your energy up front and just build this incredible relationship because the whole reason that they're going to buy is because they trust yep. you. They're really buying you, right? Pretty much anywhere that we have guys or anybody else, you're in a market that 10 to 100 other people have knocked that door and talked to that same person about solar. So what is going to be different? You're all selling the same product, same panels, same crap. Mm -hmm. It's just you. That's the only difference. And so I think if you're listening to this, this was going to be my assumption, Scott, coming into it is what I love about you and one of my favorite things about you is how I feel when I'm around you. I'm just like, man, Scott is salt of the earth. Oh, thanks, man. And knowing mm -hmm. you outside of work and your family, I'm just like, you guys are just incredible people. You know, you're somebody I would trust with anything. And it's how I feel when I'm around you. And so I've always taught that people won't remember what they heard you say, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. And I would bet that if I did a ride along with you, I would bet that why you're converting so much and not just converting, why you're installing so much is because people trust you so much. You're just different. You're different than a normal door-to-door -door guy. And when they come in, they just get a feeling like they're talking to their son or their grandson. Like, this is a good dude. We trust him. He's going to take care of us. And it's not just your typical sales experience, which flash and dash, Yeah, you know, you're in and out and you just got him to sign the contract. And so I'm glad that we, uh, that we could spend some time on that. Yeah. I'm curious, how long is your average close? How, how much time are you spending in those appointments? Uh, my closes range anywhere, start to finish an hour to two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my wow. fastest okay. ones. Yeah. My fastest ones. Like I had one yesterday that was like an hour and five minutes, but that's not the typical, uh, the average is probably an hour and 45, you know? Um, but then you've got your talkers okay. and your, your people that, that it's hard to kind of control the conversation with sometimes. And, uh, <laughs> or if something at docs is like, it's taken them forever to find their declaration page or whatever. Um, those ones, yep. Yeah, they my longest go about two and a half hours. So anywhere in that time range. 
how much time are you spending at the, at the beginning, you know, breaking that ice and building that relationship? Because if, if you're going an hour and 45, mm -hmm. you're probably spending what, 30 minutes talking to them and building rapport or, or less or more. Um, yeah. Like if I can, it, again, it depends on their behavioral style, you know, uh, drivers, you're not that way at all. You know, they, they look at that like that's a way that you're trying to take advantage of them if you're if you're trying to talk about the weather with them. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I it a hundred percent, and I can identify within the first ten seconds who that type of person is. You know, <laughs> and so um, I'm just trying to read the person when I when I get inside the house. Um, just kind of, and, and it's a lot of it's based on responses they give you, whether they're quick responses or whether they like to talk a little bit. Um, to like your first sure. initial questions. And so some with some people, I, I, I know I have to build more rapport like during the close. Um, yeah. And some people it's all up front, but I'm very thorough too. just like in my presentation. I want to make sure everyone understands exactly what it is. Um, and I and I don't I don't move on to the next slide until they really understand the slide. I just I just went over, you know, so. I don't just breeze through stuff. I make sure they understand the tax credit, how it works, all that kind of stuff. So they know exactly what they're doing, you know, and they're feeling comfortable with it and they're confident with it and they're clear with it. Cause if they're not very unlikely, someone's going to want to sign uh, a loan if they're, if they're not feeling comfortable with, with what they're doing for themselves, you know? Yeah. I think there's two more noteworthy things for listeners, whether you're setting or closing is, Study the personality types mm -hmm. because not only will it help you, it can cause harm. For example, in business, I'm more of a driver. And so if, if somebody's doing construction on my home or landscaping or even in solar and they're doing a lot of small talk, it's, it's not only not helping, it's hurting. I'm like, what's the skinny? Don't, yep. don't waste my time. Like just summarize it. What are, what are you doing? What do we need to do? What's the solution here? And you can even piss people off oh, yeah. or burn the bridge, you know? And so it's really important to quickly identify what personality type they are and then cater your whole conversation to that, that type. And then the other thing you said is, look, the whole opportunity is sitting down in the kitchen living room with this homeowner. And if that takes two and a half hours or 45 minutes, you need to be flexible there because that's where the magic happens. And that's what all the work from the setters did is to get you to that point. Right. And so Cubby talks about being efficient with things and effective with people. Be effective with people, and that may take 45 minutes or it may take an hour and a half, but you got to do what you got to do to be effective with people and give some flexibility there. Yep. I think just a quick plug as well for, for those that want to learn more about personality types. We have the four, you know, it's driver, expressive, amiable, analytical. And Jimmy Rex did a really, really awesome training on this last year that is recorded. Yeah. It's an empower world. It's so incredible. If you first it was an incredible Brandon one. Venture, yeah. Yep. So if, if you hear Scott and Brandon mention being a driver, Jimmy goes into that in depth on that training. Go watch it. Find out what they're talking about so you can close more like Scott. And then two, another point you brought up, you know, it can range in time so much. With your setters, are you are you having them set a certain expectation with the customer that it's going to be a certain length? And on top of that, do you have your setters do specific things to make your appointments more closable? Uh, no, they, they don't set expectations for how long it's going to be. Um, they don't do that. What was your second question? Do you have them do anything else that make your appointments easier to close or, or do they set any, you know, unique expectations with the customer to make it easier for you? Um, 
I always just ask my setters to be really upfront and real with people on the doors. Like I, um, I actually just did a training for Empower East this week. And one of the things we talked about was um, with expectations with that is I feel like the best, from what I've seen, the best setters are the most real setters. They're not scared setters, like just trying to pull the bill. And so they're not real with the customers up front about the expectations of what that appointment's going to be like. And so I had, I had a thing, I hit like a little, I guess for me, at least it was a little slump at the beginning of last week. And one thing I was running into a lot was that the person, the homeowner I was going to, they had, they had an expectation that I was just coming by to give them more information. Um, and that's, that's just what they were expecting for me to show them some numbers, give them some more like education information. And it it set this expectation that was really hard for me to overcome when they didn't real like think that I was coming there to show them what this would look like to put the ball in their court to then decide solar or the utility company. And so I had to correct that, you know, with, with the setters to make sure that that was something that, um, we're setting better expectations to solidify the appointment. Don't ever mention that someone's going to be coming by just to give them information, you know, <laughs> cause that's not what we're doing. We don't get paid to give, to just give free solar consult, like informational instructional, <laughs> you know, they can go to Google for that. <laughs> so, um, make sure that, you know, just kind of that they're more upfront with them and real with them and not scared to say it how it is. Um, because the more confident you are, like, I just think a lot of setters sometimes are scared to do that of out of fear of like, they've already got the bill. Now they just want to get off that doorstep as fast as possible. You know, it's like, no, don't, don't right. do that. Like you're setting appointments to get installs. You're not setting appointments just to get the bills, <laughs> you know? So make sure you're, yeah. you're, make sure you're not skipping steps at the end and you're not afraid to tell them exactly how it is. Like, listen, so he's going to come by show you what the savings report looks like. And then from there, the ball's in your court. You know, you can choose to go forward with it or you can choose the utility company and keep paying the rates you're paying right now. Like it's your call, you know, um, that, but that's setting the expectation that like, Hey, I'm coming in and we're going to get down to the nitty and gritty of this. And then if you want this, we're submitting your application to qualify you today and go through the paperwork, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is important to talk about Scott because you did 76 self gens last year. Yep. So you set it a very high level to get to that point. So you understand it. What's it been like going from setting your own appointments to now relying on somebody else to set appointments for you? Well, I'm super grateful guys for my team and my, and, and our setters out here. They're, they're incredible. Those, those guys and girls, um, are, they work so hard and they do such a good job. So for me, it has been a very good transition, very seamless, obviously, you know, with the numbers you see. Um, so yeah, there, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful every day. Um, I wake up for, for our team and for all the work they put in and how, and how focused they are at getting better at their craft. Um, for me, it's just been a transition of always being synced with them and, um, having that, that partnership and relationship where I give them constant feedback on things that I'm seeing, whether I get in the house or I don't get in the house, why I didn't get in the house, what they said at the door, maybe how that something, 
something that was set in the set, you know, maybe that we could adjust for, for tomorrow. Um, or even when I got in the house, certain things that they say that the setter said or what their expectations were, I'm always synced with them. I, whether, whether an appointment sits or it doesn't sit, um, I, I, I send like a two minute voice memo to my setter right, right, right after, um, just kind of giving them a recap of the situation. I don't ever let, leave them in the dark wondering what happened to that appointment. And so, um, I'm just in, I have a great relationship with my setters and we work together and we grow together. Um, so that, that transition has been good for me. Yeah. I think the keys there are a lot of communication, right? Yep. You're, you're constantly updating them, whether the appointment held or not, and you're just always getting better. And that's what I think the setter model setter closer model takes is a lot of communication in between both parties to get it to a refined system that works really, really well. Yeah. Maybe let's go back to your close process for a sec. And okay. what's like the one minute overview on the steps of your close. So whether like getting into building rapport, just what are the different steps? Like give us the high level overview of the process. So yeah, rapport, um, rapport's first probing is next. So asking questions, right. Getting them to see a problem that they didn't realize that they had getting them to think about their utility bill and utility company a different way. Um, and then I get on the same page with them about their bill, what they're paying, because I don't want any mis expectations of what they're paying. And I, I break it down to them. I show them exactly the rate they're being charged on their bill, um, how that has gone up. Um, and um, I'll pull a, a lot of the times if they, I'll tell them what they're averaging right now. Um, and if they, if they don't think they're averaging that, I'll literally show them on their bill, how their rate jumped from, cause here in Illinois, the rate jumped in January. And so I'll show them the difference from a last year bill to this year bill. And that's always enlightening to them. Um, so I get on the same page with them on what they're paying. And then I set expectations for, I pre-frame the clothes. So I set expectations like how this works, which is always that I'm going to show you right? Apples to apples, um, your utility bill versus what solar is going to do for you. Um, and I always am showing people, I'm doing a lot of social proofing as well. So I'm showing people, um, like I'm telling people like, listen, I've got eight to 10 appointments a day. And so I don't go back and forth. I don't have the time on my calendar to go back and forth with every single person that I see. Cause I've got people lining up signing up for solar right now in this state, the demand is so high. And so I don't go back and forth with everyone that I see. If by the end you're seeing no reason not to, we and you're excited about it and wanna do it, we submit your application and qualify you. And if you just, if you wanna keep doing what you're doing, paying the utility company and paying those rates, that's, that's totally fine too. But, um, so I, I get on the same page with them that that's the expectation, that's the objective of this appointment. And that avoids a lot of I need to think about it, which are the the biggest objection we get as closers, right? A hundred, like by far, like 95% of the objections you get as a closer is I need to think about it. And so sure. I never skip, ever skip that. I, I don't ever start presenting without first outlining the objective of, of the close beforehand because it's much easier to prevent it than to overcome it at the end. So I... I think that's such an art that I, that I think the best closers understand is just pre-overcoming 
it sounds like you just pre-overcome that objection so, so, so hard. There's no one that's ever going to end your meeting with, I need to think about it because they know it's going to be, I'm qualifying or I want to keep paying for these elevating rates. And so mm-hmm. you just pre-overcome that objection and then make it a no-brainer to go with the with the solar option. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's applicable to all markets because all markets have different objections. Some are some are more or typical, more common, but I think understanding how to pre-overcome is going to be yep. pretty, pretty dang important. Scott, sometimes when people see uh, successful people reach crazy numbers, they just assume that everything's easy for them. So what what's the hard part of this job? What's the harder aspects that are really hard on you? Um, sometimes, like, I don't know. Some For me, it's just always being really up on my mental game, you know, um, because sometimes with your with, with the schedule as it is right now, like I come into market and I've got like today's a little different for me. Um, but most days I've got appointments like on my calendar ranging from nine in the morning till all the way sometimes till eight thirty at night. And so, um, when you're in a house, like, so there's some days I spend 10 hours in people's homes talking to them. And so that's like, that's really, it can be just like a lot of social, like exhaustion, you know, making conversation that long and then getting home and working on my pipeline from sometimes I get home back to my hotel here at nine 30 at night. And I've got to like prep my, my proposals for the next day and work on my pipeline in that two to three hours. And I'm I'm getting to bed around 1am and then I wake up and I don't have time to do anything besides this again, getting ready to go out to my next appointment. So for me, that's, that's probably, that's probably the hardest part is just, um, sometimes it can get a little exhausting. And so I've got to keep, I got to keep up on my self-talk, um, always positive self-talk, you know, reframing my situation, being grateful for everything, you know, so that, so that it gives me energy. Cause part of something I hang my hat on that I, I don't think, I think it's impossible to stay consistent. Um, if your if your energy and your enthusiasm levels differ from day to day, right? Like I, you can go sure. into sales slumps if your enthusiasm and energy goes down. And so, for me, that's my biggest challenge: is keeping the exact same energy to every single appointment I go to, even at eight thirty p.m. versus eight a.m. You know, and so, and I think I do a pretty good job of that. And but it's hard, you know it. it it's, it's something that I, I like have to talk to myself in the car sometimes, um, like doing affirmations, like on my way to my 830 appointment, you know, like, um, yeah. but getting myself into that mental state, you know, that it's the exact same every single appointment. That's probably one of the most challenging parts of the job for sure. I'm curious, Scott. I mean, oh, this year has been pretty incredible for the St. Louis team and for yourself so far. Mm-hmm. The Madness was an incredible performance. You've won a lot of the one-off, you know, one-day incentives as well. You're in round five of the winner's bracket in the cup, and you did 83 deals in 41 days. I imagine there have to be some crazy experiences throughout this year so far or some wild stories with at least one or two of those closes. What's been the craziest thing that's happened in one of your appointments or doing the job so far this year? Jeez, man. On the spot, honestly, I have no idea how to answer that. It was probably the week that I had 14. Um, everything, 
like 14 in the four day period, (laughs) everything like, it's just like everything went like, um, I, I don't know how I could have even gotten another one, honestly, because I had, I had two days where I had four deals and then two of those days I had three. And so it was like everything I sat closed, you know, it, it, like, it was just pretty crazy. Like you're spending so much time in people's homes, um, over just that four day time span. Um, that in my mind is kind of what, what jumps out. Like there's been a lot of things like a lot of the setters have different stories, but for me, it's just like running from appointment to appointment and, um, spending lots of time in, in homeowners homes. Um, and that, yeah, that, that week probably was the biggest, biggest highlight for me. It's probably close to a hundred percent close ratio. That yep. week. Maybe one or two got away. from Yeah, that's exactly right. Everything was clicking. Everything was working, you know? Um, <laughs> wow. so maybe kind of winding down towards the end of this, what advice do you have for somebody that's new to this job in setting and what advice do you have somebody new to the job in closing since you've done both roles at a really high level? Uh, for both my, my advice would, would probably be the same. It's just growth mindset, you know, like, um, when you're getting started, um, in setting, don't, don't focus on your results as much as your, as just your inputs, you know, like the, the outcome will, will be determined by, by buildup of your inputs, you know, over time. Um, I, when I first got, when I first went out on my blitz, I actually didn't have a set close. Um, but I was still just absolutely stoked to start my rookie year, you know, in January. Cause I, I just saw what other people were doing and I knew what I could do. Um, and so even without having a success story in my first blitz, I was just like, no, I'm like, I, I'm stoked. Like I just, I, I focused all of my energy on the process and not the, not the result, not the end result, knowing and trusting that it would come, you know, and it did. And so that's my advice is literally your first, your first month and everyone has a different learning curve and a different, you know, a different curve that they're on. But, um, at least for a month, I would say, don't even worry. Don't focus at all on your numbers. Like your, you know, how many set closes you're getting every single day. You should be putting time into just getting better at your job, you know, um, and just trusting and knowing that it will come, you know, and I would, I would say the same thing for both setters and, and closers with that regard. Awesome. Is there any other questions we should have asked that we didn't? Oh, good question, man. Uh, I don't know. I think that's, I don't know, man. I think, I think that's good. I'm just, uh, I'm super grateful for, for just this whole vehicle and an opportunity. And, uh, this year has been a heck of a ride, man. And I'm, I'm excited to keep it rolling through November and see what, see what we can do here. I'm on track. I've, I've broken, I am way, I'm way above pace of what my goals were coming into the year. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to see what, what, what can happen here and how much we can do, how much we can do through November. <laughs> right. What have you adjusted your goal? Do you kind of have an idea? Of I what, know where I'm at. Now? Yeah. My, my goal coming into the year was to get, uh, 
and and this was based on different like weekly numbers but my goal coming into the year was to get 204 closes um and install last year my install ratio was 68 percent um and so i just took that same number and i said hey if i get 68 percent again that would be 138 installs so that that would get me a golden door and so that was my goal coming into the year but right now i'm on pace for I'm closing about 7.68 a week right now. And I'm on pace to close 261. And my Ooh. my hold ratio right now is 78%. So that would give me 203 installs. Um, if, uh, wow. if that, if that, one if that <laughs> held through, like if once uh, installs happen, if, if our installer can hold up with our demand, with, with our volume, then... And obviously a lot of those would come in November. So maybe, maybe it's more realistic to say 190 or 80, cause I'll have some overflow into next year, right? Installing from deals I sell in November. So it's probably more realistic to say 180 or 190 or so. So we'll, uh, we'll see. But potentially, potentially, potentially yeah. a 200, yeah. 200. Yeah. That's the pace. Like that's literally the pace I'm on. I haven't adjusted like goals, but that's just, I'm just kind of keeping track of my pace and where I'm at. And that's kind of where yeah. I'm at through uh, the middle of November. So, man, as much as I love Kai Dog, I'd love to see someone take that, uh, <laughs> that goat chain away. From Tell him to enjoy it while it lasts <laughs> because that's, that's, that's <laughs> gone. Year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, I've always uh, always looked up to you, Scott, from the days of from ten years ago to now. So, still look up to you a lot, Thanks, dude. Thanks, Chandler. Really appreciate You're the man, this. dude. You're the man. Same, Scott. It's it's cool. I really, really respect the work that you've put into it. My best week is thirteen. Okay. So to hear you get fourteen in a week, I'm like, dang, dude, that's incredible. Because I know how much work thirteen took. You know. Yeah. And then. I've hit 30 in a month and to hear you hit 38 in a month, I'm just like, man, that's well, so, and then 76 self hundred in a year. It's dude, like, 102 installs for 104 closes. I don't know if that's ever being broken, Brandon. <laughs> I still, dude, I have well, no idea. You, I have no idea how that happened and how you did that, bro. <laughs> so. Well, you're, you're going to crush uh, my sales and install numbers. So I just, <laughs> I respect you so much, man. And, and then, we just layer the whole fact that we're talking four day work weeks here. So it's just, you're, you're a different animal, man. You're a freaking sales dog. <laughs> I appreciate you And a uh, better human being. So Scott, thanks for carving some time out of your busy schedule when you're in market to uh, jump on the podcast with Thank us. Thank you guys. Enjoyed every minute of it.